It's been almost two decades since we started our journey to educate and help you take action so you may better manage your financial future. Our goal is to help you accomplish your life's purpose. This podcast reveals financial tips, strategies, and insights that will help you to set your financial goals and guide you along the way. This is Managing Your Financial Future, brought to you by the advisors at Lucia Capital Group. It is Managing Your Financial Future, doing our best to help you out. Johnny Dean, podcast host, moderator. I try to keep this guy moderate, although that's (laughs) tough. Professor Plum, certified financial planner, professional. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I got talking uh, this past week, uh, a couple of weekends ago, as my wife and I were uh, continuing our saga as she gets closer to her eh, quote-unquote retirement. Now... At least a couple of years. Early retirement. Early retirement. It may turn permanent. It may not. I don't know. But as we were going through it, we thought, well, let's, you know, let's look at our Social Security. Every so often we look at our Social Security statements and just see what we're going to get. And we both realized, for whatever reason, we said, this is not that far off. No, it's coming up quick for you. It is coming up quick. Now, we're not eligible. for me, unfortunately. Well, for you. (laughs) Technically, in a bad way, you're eligible. But we're not going to go there. We're not letting anybody pass away yet. No, not yet. But uh, that's what you, I'm. I am eligible if I were if, a widower. If you're a widower, yeah. But we're so not going there. We're that's not, not going to happen. We're not wishing that, and it's it's not going to happen. But oddly enough, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Uh, as my wife and I were, were were saying, we said, "My goodness, I mean, she's almost she's about four and a half years away from becoming eligible, uh-huh. whether she's working or not, notwithstanding." And I'm you know four and a half five years away from becoming eligible and and it's now getting to the point where, where we're going to have to start making certain social security decisions I don't have to do it yet and neither one of us plans on taking it at age 62 although there may be a reason to do so there could be and it depends on how long either of you might last <laughs> well and that's that's the uh, that's the point here and so what I wanted to do was have you go over this we, we oftentimes like to debunk if that's the correct word uh, conventional wisdom that has to do with social security and there, there's one that's out there that that makes sense in some respects but doesn't always make sense and that is the notion that i read all the time that they say you should always wait to take your social security the longer you wait every month it gets a little bit bigger so if At least t- until age 70. If you take it, if you wait to take it as long as you can, which is currently age 70, then why would you not want to take the much larger benefit? And, Professor, there is a big difference between the earliest you can take your retirement benefits at age 62. Right. 62 is a very reduced benefit, depending mm-hmm. upon when your full retirement age is. Well, especially for guys like you and me. It's because, yeah, reduced by 30% from our yeah. full retirement age. But if we wait until age 70, it's increased by 24% for waiting. So there's a fairly large differential between age 62 and age 70. Now, if you're working and you're under full retirement age, it's not a, you're not going to get it anyway. No, so. it's... But, you know, it has a lot to do with it. They say never take it until 70. And so the idea is if you are single and you wait till 70, that's the biggest benefit you're going to get. And it's the only one you're eligible for because you've been single your entire life. Mm-hmm. And so you could, you could make a case that says, you know what? You're either going to be very happy with your decision because you're going to live a long time or you're not, not going to live a long time and you're not going to care that you took it, you, you left some money on the table, so to speak. It won't matter because as near as I can tell, you can't take it with you. That's, we've not found anybody yet that can. So it has to do with how long 
your life mm-hmm. expectancy is, how long you live. If you are going to make it into your mid to late 80s, from a purely financial standpoint, it can make some sense to wait to take your benefit. You mentioned, I'm sorry, but you mentioned single. Right, single. And, and there's going to be a, a different, a, a, we're going to differentiate between the two, but I, I wanted to emphasize that point. Uh, on, a, on a single individual, uh, it well, makes sense. The break-even is the owner's age, about age 83, 84, depending upon certain variables that you want to plug into the calculation. Uh, so if you, so if it's only 83, 84, and I make it to 83, 84, that's kind of a push. And if that's the case, I'm going to lean towards, I want the money now. Yeah. <laughs> but if I think I'm going to live longer than that as a single individual, uh, I may default back to the uh, wait until age 70 to start taking my Social Security because it provides a much bigger benefit. And over time, even though I gave up some income early before age 70, I've made up for it by getting a much larger benefit going forward. But I got to live long enough. Now, this is a single individual, and it has to do with how long is that individual going to live? The, the, the terminology changes slightly when we talk about a married couple, because now it's not how long will that specific individual live. It's how long will that benefit continue to be paid? Because in many cases, the benefit will continue to be paid even though the original owner died, but they leave it to a surviving spouse that continues to live. So how long will that benefit continue? If you, you, know, you have poor health history on both sides, and you don't expect either one of you to live, then take it early. Take it when you can get it. If you expect one of you to live a long time, then we've got to look at, okay, who's older? Who has the higher benefit? Who's got the lower benefit by default? And let's let's work and make yeah. some assumptions here on what is the best use of the money. This is because of what's called the survivor benefit that we sort of alluded to and now we're talking about. The survivor benefit, there's also some confusion regarding that that I've found, which is that people who think, well, I have my Social Security benefit, my spouse has their Social Security benefit. If my spouse dies, I continue to get mine and I continue to get my spouse's you don't it, get it, the full amount of no. both. Let's it's, explain very quickly how this, how the, how the widows or survivor benefit works. And, and it's, this won't be exact because the, ter- the technology, mm-hmm. the technical parts are really better. But basically, if you're past full retirement age, both of you are past full retirement age and receiving your benefits, and one of you passes away, the larger of the two benefits will continue. And so, if if one's getting fifteen hundred, one's getting two thousand. When one of them passes away, regardless of who had the $1,500 benefit, you basically stop getting that. So the, the lower benefit, when one of them passes away, yeah. one of the benefits will go away. It will always be the lower benefit that goes away. Assuming you're both full retirement age or older. Yeah. There's some you know differences on when you apply. and some, There's some gamesmanship here for under full retirement age and when you apply and do things. But yes, that's it. In, in reality, let's say that the $1,500 uh, person is not the one who died. The $2,000 person is the one who died. The $1,500 benefit will continue to be paid, and the widow's benefit is 500 bucks in this case to bring them up to the $2,000 number. So that's the technicality issue. But that, so the higher number, only 2000 in this example is going to continue. You don't get 3500 when there's only one of you left. Right. So if I have, if, if I have the uh, 2000 my wife has a $1,500 benefit, and we're 75 at the time, and we've been taking it for the last five, um, six years, years, whatever it is, and I die, uh, my wife's $1,500 benefit 
basically $1,500 goes away. So instead so, of getting 3500 right. total, you're going to get 2000 total going forward. But the larger amount is the one that, that continues. Uh, that continues. Now, uh, and this matters. It comes into play a lot because it's rare that people are very close to age, the same age. I mean, it happens from time to time where they're the same age, but most of the time there's spouses. A spouses, there's a couple of years difference. And the larger the difference in the spousal ages, the 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 more dramatic the difference can be is when you want to take something or don't want to take a benefit. Do you want to take one early or not? And even if the younger person has a reasonable sized benefit, they may want to take it early instead of wait until age 70 because the widow's benefit is the one that's going to continue. Uh, and it may, so the old person, when they pass away, they may make it to 75, or they may make it to 80, which isn't old enough for, to really delay until 70. But at that point, their widow is only 70, and they're going to continue to get that well, same benefit for a long time. So how long will that benefit continue? You you were said before we came on the air here that you were talking to somebody today, today with this yeah. very situation. Yeah, what they're was 10 that years, one? They're 10 years apart in age. The, uh, in this case, the husband was 70 years old. The, sp- the wife and spouse is uh, 60 years old. Um, they're looking at... Okay, she's going to be 62 in a little bit. She's getting ready to retire now anyway. Are we looking to take her benefit at age 62? Or should we wait? Because she's got some good longevity in her genes. Her, her grandparents did really well. Her parents are really healthy now. They're you know in their mid-80s, uh, maybe late 80s. But they're, doing, they're, they're healthy. So she expects to live quite a while. Her husband is already receiving. He just started receiving his age 70 benefit. So he waited until age 70. Right. And it really doesn't matter whether he started at age 70, at 66, or whatever. His benefit is larger than her full retirement age benefit. It's not quite as large as her age 70 benefit. So if she waited all the way to 70, her benefit might be a little larger. But when we do the math, the break-even age is a long, both of them have to live as a long way out there. In order for them, for, in, in order, order for it to for make sense waiting. for her to wait till age 70. Right. Because if he dies at 90, she's only 80. Now, if he, or if he dies you know, at 80, she's 70. Her, that benefit's going to, she's just now getting to age 70. So she's given up everything that, you know, that she could have gotten for those first eight years to get a slightly higher benefit from age, for, on her own from what she would have gotten from the survivor. So was her husband, is the husband's benefit not that much larger? Than, it's a little less than her age 70 benefit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 so she could go without benefits for eight years. And then if he dies or when he dies, if he dies before her, she'll get a slightly larger, she'll continue with her slightly larger age 70 benefit rather than the widow's benefit. Or she can get all of her benefit, even though it's a reduced benefit, for eight years. And then when he passes away, she'll get, you know, uh, she'll get a step up to his benefit, which is slightly less than what she would have received at age 70. Yeah. So, so what she'd be missing out on by not taking it early is eight years of payments yeah. or whatever it is. So, And it what, takes a long, long time for her age 70 benefit and for him to continue being alive to make up for that number. And so it just doesn't make sense so for what her was to your, wait. So your recommendation for this individual was? Unless she feels like she's going to go back to work, take hers when she can get it at age 62. Isn't that interesting? Now that even that, though she has longevity, he has a decent, healthy. I mean, he's he's expecting mid eighties anyway, but um, it, it's just a matter of so his benefit. Even if he died at eighty five, she's only seventy five, and so his benefit. If she dies at ninety five, at ninety, 
It's like he got his benefit until age 100. Because his that benefit continues. That makes sense to wait for his benefit. Yeah, see, so here you have an example of exactly what we're talking about. You have somebody... Confusing as heck, though. ...who <laughs> is... Ex- well, yeah, but if, if you want to boil it down, you have somebody, you have an individual who, ex- who family history suggests could live into her 90s, whatever... All right, we're going to have to make that assumption. And current health is pretty good, is very good. So, so for somebody who's got a lot of longevity, the conventional wisdom would somebody who didn't know her situation would walk up to her and say, "Boy, you you got a lot. You should wait till you 70. should wait till seventy. But you've just proven that in this case, it makes sense for her to start taking it at age sixty-two, even though it's reduced. Right, because let's say her benefits fifteen hundred, and his benefits twenty-five hundred. But she would have gone up to 2,600 at age 70. You know, those are just roundabout numbers. She would be giving up 18000 a year for eight years to get an extra $1,200 a year for the rest of her life while they're both alive, as long as they're both alive. And they both have to both be alive for yeah. that to work. Well, that's $150,000 or so that they've yeah. been giving up. And and you got to make it up. Even, the break even is just not going to happen. No, you they they both have to live to be forever, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So we, we've got to be careful then when we make social security decisions without considering all of the factors that are involved. Uh, just again to hammer this point home, following conventional advice, this woman that you're t- you talked to today, with conventional advice says wait. But your advice says take it as soon as you can. In her circumstances, yes. I do say take it early. So from a purely financial standpoint, it still makes sense in her case to take it early. It did make sense for him to wait because she was working up until now. They didn't need the income, and it worked out very well. And, you know, hey, maybe they both live to be 127. Now, they're not going to call me at that time and complain because I won't be here. I'm not going to make it that long. You'll have been 40-plus years (laughs) under the sod, if not more. Yes. But complain to your heirs. It's just not going to happen. No. And, and, you know, these are the the, the kinds of things that I think an advisor like you, Professor Plum, who knows how to run the calculator and knows a little something about math, can really add some value to somebody. Uh, They could see... And it, it's, it sounds odd, but it, when it's explained in, a simple, in simple terms like that, I imagine that this woman agreed and her husband oh, agreed. agreed that she should, she should take it early. And she liked the idea of taking it early. She goes, A, I, it makes me feel good. B, it makes financial sense. So I got both of those going for me. Well, it does. Now, do you find that there are a lot of people out there who... I've read statistics that more people take it at age 62 or 63. They take it as early as they can get it. They take it as early as they can get it for whatever reasons. Usually it's because they want the money now. They have a check coming to them. Right. And And, they've retired. And the other side is if they started at 62, they get used to the budget. They're used to their retirement. By the time the break-even age comes around, age 83, 84, and they, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'm, they're not going to remember that they made that decision. They're not going to care about it. They're just so used to their budget by that time, it doesn't matter. Uh, so I can see the there's a, there's a financial side, as most financial planning issues involve. There's a financial side to it, and there's an emotional side. And the emotional side for a lot of people is, you know what? I'd rather have the money now mm-hmm. while I'm healthy and I want that extra cash, cash flow. And I'll, you know, if I have to, I'll cut back when I'm 90. There are people, that, part of that other conventional wisdom too, Professor Plum, says that if you don't think you're going to live a long time, well, then it makes sense to take it early. 
and by don't think you're going to live a long time. I mean, if you don't have, if you if you don't think you're going to live maybe into your mid eighties, seventies, early eighties, mid eighties, if you're suspecting now, you've brought up in the past, I think even on this this podcast, that uh, with you and your wife, you expect your wife to oh outlive me. Long I'll time. Live you by I expect a long her time. to be similar to this other, this lady we were just talking about. I expect her to live well into her nineties. Right now, and now, she does too, by the way. Now, <laughs> if if that's the case, and if you if you would be happy at you know, well, I expect normalish, you know, mid eighties, maybe early eighties. I don't know. Who knows? I don't expect nineties plus for me. That's just you know, yes. I haven't taken care of myself well enough for that. <laughs> now you've well, you've fallen off a couple of motorcycles. That I know. Other things too, and, I mean, and bikes and dune buggies and whatever else you've done. Just and, other, you know, of course. I'm an accident sometimes waiting to happen, but that's beside the point. No, that is beside the point. But it, it, it is part of the point because your benefit is... Even if my life expectancy was mid-70s, my benefit is significantly larger than my wife's projected benefit at re- retirement ages or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so my benefit is the one that's going to continue. So how long will my... It's not a matter of how long I last. Again. It's a matter of how long will my benefit last, and my benefit will be the one that's paid for as long as either I or my spouse are alive. Now, your wife is two years younger than me. Two years younger, so you're somewhat close in age. But, but in your case, here we go again. It would make sense, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm for waiting you until seventy to wait until age seventy, even if you somehow kicked off at age seventy-three or seventy-four. Now I had to change my plan six, seven years ago when they took away the ability to uh, take yeah. a restricted yeah. application. But um, <laughs> yes, I still plan on waiting until age seventy to take my benefit. And you do this because because I want to be able to provide her with the largest amount of direct guaranteed income mm-hmm. for the rest of her life from Social Security that I can do for her. And. Because there's a, a a big difference in your benefits, um, it, it it won't. When you have two spouses who have fairly equal benefits, well, when one of them passes away, a fairly good size of their port of their uh, income goes away. They lose they lose a they lose a good chunk of that. Right, um, and, and in our case, uh, it's a much bigger disparity. So when I pass away, most likely first, uh, the drop in revenue to the household won't be as dramatic as somebody who had similar benefits. Yeah. So if you had somebody who's getting, let's say, you got two people making twenty five hundred dollars a month in benefits, you got five thousand a month coming from Social Security. One of them passes away, half that income goes away. Yes, but if you have one person one, who's one who's been waited till seventy, they're got getting three grand. Let's say three grand. The other one's only getting a thousand. You know, you're getting four thousand total. One of them passes away. A thousand goes away. A twenty-five percent drop in income, rather than a fifty percent drop in income. Right. And in both of these instances that we we've talked about, following the conventional wisdom of, oh, you're always not always wait, always wait, or if you're not going to live that long, always take it early. Really, you you can be burned right. by following that conventional wisdom. That conventional wisdom is based on a single individual. Single that's never had any you know any ability to have a spousal or survivor benefit, uh, and it's not always wrong for you know a single individual. When it comes to married couples, it can be very wrong. Uh, yeah, and and conventional wisdom becomes con- conventional wisdom because a in certain instances like this the single individual it can make sense and probably does make sense to follow, and b because when People follow what everybody else is doing. I think it's just a lot easier. Right. 
uh, they don't have to run the number. They don't have to really give some thought to it. <laughs> and not giving thought is what a lot of people, it, it, they don't think about retirement until, hey, I'm 65. It's time for me to retire. <laughs> Where's my income going to come from? <laughs> well, and then they look at their 401k, and hopefully they've been doing it. They, they're pleasantly surprised by how much their 401k is. Other times they're like, wow. Wish I would have done that 401k earlier or done some savings. How do you plan for somebody who's got, let's say you have two spouses who are making 2,500 uh, social security, they got 5,000 and they know one of them. I mean, uh, one of them is going to go question. It's uncommon that they both go at the same time or very close. Usually there's a survivor for at least a while. You're probably going to have a survivor for a while, especially maybe you know that one of them isn't quite as healthy. And will probably likely go before the other one. How do you plan? What do you do for that? Because if somebody doesn't have much in pensions and they rely more heavily on Social Security for their retirement income, the prospect of losing half of that Social Security can be uh, really scary. What do you do to plan for that? It depends because of that income coming in from Social Security, how much of that is, what does that represent in the total budget? Is it the total Social Security, half the budget, smaller than half the budget, or is it the majority of the budget? And what other assets do they have? Maybe, and so the idea is instead of taking 4%, because that's the rule, right? You got to take four, um, maybe take a little less while you're young. You take two or 3%, letting the portfolio grow so that you can provide a larger nest egg of assets mm-hmm. for the survivor. And then knowing which ones to let grow. We've talked about that. That that can be a big difference, too, because Mm -hmm. not only does the income go down when one person passes away in a a married couple, but the tax brackets, while they're still 10, 12, 22, 24, Mm -hmm. the amount of money you can have in the 10% bracket, the the 12% bracket, is half of what it was before. So So their expenses could potentially go up. Because of taxes. Because taxes go up. Because of the tax brackets. Income goes down. Taxes go up. That's not a very good recipe. So if you have somebody who's, we're just about out of time, but if you have somebody who's, uh, who, who's most, you know, 60, 70% of their total budget comes from Social Security. And there's going to be a big drop. Well, we have to look at what the portfolio is providing. And if the portfolio doesn't, if something were to happen to that person, then the portfolio cannot provide enough. That's where you have to look at other forms like life insurance, which comes in, or some other things like that. What about pensionized income? Do they ever? Con- is that something that That's you should consider? That's something you look at, but it depends. You know, it would depend, I guess, on the size of the portfolio and how much they can afford to put into that. Or? Right. It, it all depends on all those goodies because the. And I'll, I'll play devil's advocate with that. If you do the pen, you pensionized income, now you've got five thousand dollars plus a thousand dollars pensionized. Well, now you're used to spending that, so it becomes part of the budget, and I'm still losing a big chunk. Part that is part of that the just deal. continues on, which is fine, great, and it's a great thing. So now I've got thirty five hundred guaranteed instead of where I was getting six before in our example, but I still need <laughs> more. Yeah, it's uh, it's a dilemma, but as in as as in most things, I think financial planning. Professor, there are there's answers. There are answers. There are avenues that you can take. Right. I I think it's rare, if ever, that you would tell. I mean, somebody would. A lot of people think, well, all is lost if I, if you know, you better not go before me. All is not lost, but it may take some changes in your lifestyle. It may take some changes in your goal if you've wait too long. If you're, mm-hmm. you know, 69 years old, you've never done any planning, and now you're thinking about, oh, I want to retire, and my Social Security is going to be X, but I need 2X, 3X, and I haven't really saved anything up till now. 
Well, now it's kind of late to do anything about it. The time to do something about it is when you have some time to actually make a difference. Start savings. I was speaking with a friend of mine over the weekend. He's getting ready to retire. Uh, he has a, a small pension and he works uh, in the grocery industry. And he works with a lot of younger people, a lot of even middle-aged people. But they are still paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And my friend's going to retire pretty well because he started doing his IRAs when he was 16 and got a job originally True. in 1975. You know, and so he started doing IRAs and he's been doing those. Every once in a while he's had a 401k not always, but he's always took advantage of the systematic savings, paying yourself first. And people are asking him, because he's, he's only 61, and he's getting ready to retire. They're saying, how can you afford to retire? Because the pension's not all that great. I mean, I mean, it's nice to have, but it, you're you can't not, live on it. Yeah, he's going, well, because I started saving. And he's been telling these people, you need to save, even if it's only 25 bucks a paycheck. Start saving. It, the earlier you start, the easier it is to have options at the end. And, of course, you and I have been, uh, you know, diligently saving. We were diligently <laughs> saving it at age 16, weren't we, Rick? Oh, I was not diligently saving Gee, at 16. Neither, neither was I, <laughs> come to think of it. I was trying to find a way to live. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Life does get in the way. Uh, if you want to talk more to, uh, about this stuff, Social Security strategies, uh, we talk about pensionized income. We talk about making your money last as long as you do. As we said, there are avenues. There are ways that you, you, can, you can work around certain things. It's always good to talk to somebody who can run the numbers, like Professor Plum. Uh, 800-644-1150. I want to give the number. I should have done that earlier. The number at Lucia Capital Group, 800-644-1150. You can talk to Professor Plum or any of the Lucia Capital Group advisors. Uh, Professor, you oversee all the plans. Uh-huh. You are the I chief financial planning officer. Well, it is fun for you. I know you enjoy it. I've said this many yeah. times, but it's it's a puzzle that you enjoy working on. Yeah. And I'm not a big crossword, a crossword guy, you know, no, or, but, but I love the puzzle of the taxes and the pensions and the options of, and the working the allocation to make sure in the different asset locations. That is fun. It is. You like the if-then scenarios. Let's see what if we do this. Boom. Let's see what comes out the other side. And that's uh, the essence of financial planning. And I think of a good financial planner, in my opinion. 800-644-1150 or go online, luciacap.com, L-U-C-I-A, cap, C-A-P.com. We're out of time. I thank Professor Rick Plum. I'm sure we're going to talk about, uh, we got some uh, listener questions that we're going to get to coming up next time. So in the meantime, if you want to subscribe to us, do so. We would love to have you as regular listeners to this podcast. For Professor Plum, Certified Financial Planner Professional, I'm Johnny Dean. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you again next week. The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice and is not specific to any individual's personal circumstances. To the extent that this material concerns tax matters, it is not intended or written to be used and cannot be used by a taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding penalties that may be imposed by law. Each taxpayer should seek independent advice from a tax professional based on his or her individual circumstances. Different types of investments and or investment strategies involve varying levels of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment or investment strategy, including the investments purchased and or investment strategies devised by LCG, will either be suitable or profitable for a client's or prospective client's portfolio. Thus, investments may result in a loss of principal. Accordingly, no client or prospective client should assume that the presentation or any component thereof serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized advice from LCG or from any other investment professional. You should always seek counsel of the appropriate advisor prior to making any investment decision. All investments are subject to risk, including the loss of principal. This material was gathered from sources believed to be reliable. However, its accuracy cannot be guaranteed. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based upon publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change 
change at any time and without notice. The information provided is based on current laws, which are subject to change at any time. Lucia Capital Group is not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Social Security rules can be complex. For more information about Social Security benefits, visit the SSA website at ssa.gov or call 800-772-1213 to speak with an SSA representative. Examples cited are hypothetical, are for illustrative purposes only, are not guaranteed, and subject to potential federal and state law amendments. There is no guarantee that you will achieve the results discussed or illustrated. IRA withdrawals will be taxed at ordinary income rates. Withdrawals prior to age 59 and a half may also be subject to a 10% penalty tax. Insurance services offered through LPL Financial or its licensed affiliates. California Insurance License Number 0518721. Rick Plum is a registered representative with and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. The investment professionals are affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Lucia Capital Group, a separate entity from LPL Financial. 